I'm sad. I know. <laughs> oh, Brendan, why do we watch sad movies? Because it makes us better people. But let's not pretend like it doesn't also make us sad. <laughs> well, I yeah. should change that. I should change that. I I'll go on. I do think. <clears throat> I mean the um, the catharsis of it is worth a yes. Lot. I did feel yes. like a happier person having seen it. That's why we watch did, sad movies. I, I I would agree. I think that. I think that with this movie, and we'll get to it in a second, but we just need to ramble a little bit. Um, with movies like this, they're often on my list of things to watch, and it's hard to get around to things that are important for your soul, mm-hmm. for your mind, mm-hmm. uh, for your growth, mostly because it's we, we expect to go to movies to escape, and usually that escape involves some sort of positivity. You want to laugh your ass off. You want to go see Daddy's Home, because you know Will Ferrell's going to do a poop joke, and you're going to chuckle at it or get electrocuted, like in that movie. And you're going to laugh. <laughs> I didn't laugh in this movie. I don't believe I... I don't I even think, know if I smiled. I had a chuckle at one point, but I don't remember what it was. But that Probably may have... The, chur- the church people. <laughs> Maybe. 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 Yeah, but I think... Um, as as a filmmaker, I at least the part of my life where I do make films, I love stuff like this. I I felt like I was watching a stage play. I actually felt like I went yes, to a show. It felt like a stage um, play. Maybe we should tell the, people what right, we're talking about. Or no? We're talking about the Dark Knight, aren't we? No, I was talking about the Dark Knight Returns. Oh crap! Did we watch the wrong movies? <laughs> uh, both of those movies have mass to them. One would agree. Most movies do. Uh, well, you, Christian Bale had to bulk up so he gained mass. <laughs> no, well, I, I mean, it. anything made out of matter has mass. Folks, we watched a movie called Mass by Fran Kronz, who you might recognize as one of two people that I recognized. One, the retard from the village. <laughs> okay. And two, the pot smoker from Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> that's um, the director? Holy cow! That's the director. Every time I Every time I think about this movie... I think about the scene in Cabin in the Woods where he has the mug and he snaps it and it becomes a bong. Yeah. Like, that's what I think about with this movie. And that's what I know him from. The crazy... I'm going to replace that. The crazy kid from the village who, like, laughs at the uncomfortable moments. And then the guy who was like, we shouldn't split up. What? Really? In Cabin in the Woods. That's who wrote and directed this film. Wow. He needs to write and direct more. He certainly does. He certainly does, and I hope that this provides the avenue for him to be able to do that because we do need more difficult things. I don't see anything new on his horizon. I think he's starring in Julia. Oh, he's the main person in Julia, her husband. Okay, I think that's right. Anyway, uh, so he is getting work still, but this movie is about two couples meeting to have a discussion, a conversation, if you will, Mm -hmm. and... I'm, I I don't I don't know if you heard about did you hear about this from me or did we both hear about it from Chris Stuckman? No, I did not. I heard it from you. I mean, I, I okay. I missed this one when when he he said it was his favorite of the year when it came out, right? Yeah, he did it for best of I want to say best of twenty one. Truth is, I think I started watching Chris Stuckman after this. I think I when did I start? My buddy Joe knew him. Okay. Like they were their childhood friends. So he sent me his channel and then I started watching a while ago, maybe like five or six years ago, something like that. 
But he is his end of year recaps are always good because he always picks stuff that I like completely miss. Truly. Um, and this was his number one movie. Like he did it, first off, he did it this year with Slam Dunk, which we're gonna do. Um, just which we're gonna do once it comes out, uh, which should be the end of this month. And then um, two, last year he did Top Gun Maverick, which I get it. There was just something in the way <laughs> for me, but uh, Mass was his number one movie of 2021, and this was <sighs> some movies are harder to find, um, especially if they're not streaming on anything. Uh, DVDs and Blu-rays keep getting more expensive, so drink up me hearties, ho, as they say. Um, no, I did not pirate this film, but no, this um, one's on Hulu. <laughs> but this one is on Hulu, yeah. and that's the thing is, uh, we had family staying with us at our house, and uh, they left their Hulu stuff on. I'm like, yay, I got Hulu now, and uh, that popped up, and I was like, oh my gosh, this it's time to watch this now. Like, now is the time to find time to watch this movie that was so brilliant, and it was so brilliant. It was so brilliant. It's just, it's just very hard. <laughs> So the premise um, of this movie, we should just state, because basically it is the parents of a school shooter meeting with the parents of one of their son's victims mm-hmm. to That's right. try to find some closure. And Yep, and it was something like, I believe the counselor said they had been working together for six years, so there had been a long period of history here, and this was one thing that needed to be done in order for them to have closure. Um, so you have a couple of different people. I want to read out some of the actors here. So, uh, Jason Isaacs, who, as the director said in a podcast, Malfoyle. there's no way to get around it. It's Lucius Malfoy. There's no way to get He's around it. He's a brilliant actor and he needs to be in more stuff. He really is. And he and his wife, who is Martha Plimpton, who, you know, from the Goonies probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know her from raising hope, which was a really, really solid show on Fox. Um, she plays the grandmother character in that one. Uh, so they are one couple. And the other couple are Reed uh, Bernie, who is best known for stage stuff. In fact, he actually wrote uh, Fran uh, Kranz, who had done stuff in New York. He wrote that part specifically for him. And then Ann Dowd, who is, my goodness, in just about everything. She is in so many movies. So she's very recognizable. And they are the other couple. Yeah. And so the only real so we should we should preface yeah. Malfoy and uh, and Goonies <laughs> are the parents yes. of the victim. Just for, yep, yeah, yep. And then Reed and Anne, uh, there it was their son that did this horrific deed and killed. I don't I don't think they gave the final total number of kids. At least no. He was goes. I don't remember, but he does start saying how everyone dies. Remember that one point? We could count, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think it's like six um, or seven. It was at least six or seven, and uh, and yeah, so they meet in the basement of the Episcopalian Church to have some closure. And aside from the shots outside of the church, with which really is just to have, I think it's one of the there's just two volunteers who are setting up the room. They know that these are famous people, and mm-hmm. oh, what's this going to be like? So you you build anticipation that way because you can go into this movie blind, and you'll have a time. Um, I guess is the only way to put it, but. They have they're kind of the breath of fresh air that you have right when the movie starts, and then you don't see them again till their room conversation is over. There's like one cutaway to help break the tension of like a barbed wire fence, which and a little flag flapping. We'll get to the end, but what a what a yep. what a wrenching end. Yeah, so my absolutely. understanding is that none of neither this is the hometown where it happened, but neither of these couples live there anymore. 
I believe that's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the couple who's, it was the son that did the awful thing. They're divorced. Yep. Um, so they, you know, they're getting together for this particular event. I think this is just part of, this is their life. Now they meet with these different couples and, um, the director mentioned that he initially got this idea, actually not from school shootings at all, but from uh, the apartheid stuff in South Africa, um, the reconciliation stuff from there. That inspired him with this, and then I think Sandy Hook happened, and then he just kind of went off and just started writing it like crazy. I might be mistaken on that particular shooting, unfortunately, but there that was what helped propel him to write this particular piece. And uh, for the performances alone, I think this movie is insane and amazing. <sighs> I think for the the theme of f- what forgiveness truly looks like and not just yes. some nice forgive your neighbors thing. Uh can't recommend this film enough, but I I don't know if I've seen anything that handles exposition as well as this movie does. Yeah. This movie teaches you a ton of backstory without one moment feeling stilted. Absolutely. They uh, have a, a, there's a very solid tactic with this film where you're coming from this approach of they talk around the subjects because it's so, that's so ingrained in both of their, on all of their lives that they don't have to just directly say on the nose dialogue. Well, yeah. this is what your son did. It's like, no, it's definitely implied through the various things that Jason Isaac says. And, the way that the uh, the father of um, the other boy is, well, he'll say things like, well, you have access to the medical records. Well, you have access to the files. Well, you have access to the reports. We have access to this. All of these things, which you could tell the dad has, um, you know, been beaten to death over the horrible thing that his son did, that tends to be his shield, his go-to. It's like, well, I can't tell you anything you don't already know. And that's kind of, you have this setup scene where they're in the room and they're just starting conversation. Just, how's your daughter doing? How's your son doing? Well, you know, they kind of, they beat around it for a while and here's some flowers and things like that. And then eventually they get to this, here's why we're here. And, and then just the movie is just off and running at that point. The film is off and running at that point. I would not call this a movie. This falls in my film category. If you know what I'm talking about, I mentioned this for a while. I think there's movies and there's films and this falls into the film spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even talk about this one. It, I, I, it was some of the best performances I've seen in years. I think it was truly, truly some of the best writing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the there were no cheap answers. Um, yes, it's it's also to its credit not a political movie. It's a movie about people. Dealing oh, not with at loss. all. Yep, they they kind of broached the politics for like. 45 seconds almost as if a way to say we're not unaware that there's a debate here but that's not why we're here for this movie and Mm -hmm. then moves into these two families dealing with their suffering and and making us the audience deal with it too (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I think that's there's so much about the conversation of grief and what it forces you to do that this movie bathes you in um if you've ever known anybody who have any, if you ever know people who've lost children, you see a lot of that in the faces of the actors and actresses in this film. They, I don't know if they interviewed real people for this or what, but they portrayed so well the moments where they 
We're just they're they're calm. Like eighty five percent of the bloody time, they're just calm and listening. But you have that you get to those roots and you get to that real hurt and those real breakdowns and and the movie just pulls you along for that and it doesn't shy away from it. The camera is it's it's the whole David Fincher thing. It's locked on tripod. It rarely moves. It really do, it really goes in or out or up or down. Like you're locked in where you're locked in, except for when the ground becomes shaky, and that's kind of when you and get you some shaky handheld. Yeah, that's right. You see it with Jason Isaacs' yeah. character when he just starts getting fed up, and then he starts walking through the shooting that happened minute by minute and throwing in a pipe bomb in the classroom and and what that man has lived with and how many times he must have recited that story um, to finally just go off. And then you get kind of this super. I mean, did yours go widescreen? Did that happen with your? I'm sure it did. I didn't know with your viewing. It, that's around that part where that kind of happens. It's one of those. They changed the aspect ratio. Yeah, I'm trying. Like they did that in the the second Hunger Games movie. I think they did in the Dark Knight. It did right? in the Life of Pi. Well, the Dark Knight was because it switched yes, to yeah. IMAX, which I think is kind of right. different. But the one I was saying with the Hunger Games is where it's widescreen. She's going up an elevator during her going up the elevator. That's when they they just expand it out. This one does the opposite, and it shrinks it in and goes to that widescreen. I did not know black notice. on top, black on bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's right, right when the well, handheld starts kicking in. To be fair, if I didn't notice, that's to the credit of the movie, right? You feel mm-hmm. more than I, I, I think I've said it on this podcast before that if I'm analyzing the filmmaking techniques while I'm watching the movie, it's because the movie's probably not working as well as it should. Interesting. No, no, I mean, that's not a uh, set in stone absolute. Yeah, not a catch all, right? Yeah. No, for sure. Because I did notice they went to handheld and things. Of, and, and, but, but in general, if I start breaking apart, on my first viewing at least, if I start breaking apart the filmmaking techniques, it's because I'm not lost in the story. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that. I only just. I only noticed this because I wasn't watching on a particularly small television, but. Um, yeah, man. Like. What the movie does so well on so many different levels is this conversation of grief and these parents getting over the way that their son died and the hopes they had for him and the future and all these things. But man, oh man, it does an incredible job of the parents. I would say it's specifically the mom. It's what the dad wrestles with, I would say, on that side of the fence. But the mom needing healing for the thing, the terrible thing that her son did. And not to jump to the ending or anything, but there's this idea that one thing that really helped the healing was the mother of the shooter asks for a story about their son, literally anything. And that really helps break the tension. Cause it was this funny story about him being covered in mud and, um, playing well. And that frees up this forgiveness moment mm-hmm. that helps the mother of the son that died, close that door of grief, 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 grief. And, what you come back to in the ending is after these couples are like, this is a good place to split. Then they split. Um, the mother of the son comes back and she wants to tell her story too. And it's this awful, awful story about how just the son was so broken and said this horrible thing to her mother and how she wished that the mother, like she, the mother said that she wishes the son would have just, just killed her right then and there. And it was just really, she says she wanted him to or, beat her up so that she, would that's what it was. Yeah. Son. Yeah. Yep. And it was this really beautiful, heartbreaking moment because then you realize, like, that's right. Like, two boys did die, and there is healing on both sides that need to be done. And so, just a utterly phenomenal. Yeah. I, I was struck at one point when the two dads are talking, and, and Jason Isaac's character kept trying to argue that, that the, the shooter was psychopathic. 
And the dad of his son kept trying to argue that no, he knew what he was doing. And I found that such a fascinating conversation where mm-hmm. the, the father of the victim is almost trying to give this kid an out. And the father of the murderer yeah. is, can't let him. That's what it was, right? As he kept saying, I, he, like, what do you want to hear? I want to hear you say that some part of you knew. That some part of you wouldn't wasn't surprised. That some part of you was like, it made sense that he did this. And both of them were like, no, actually not at all. We knew he was that, broken, but mm-hmm. yeah. And that was the part of the grief where I think... I think Jason Isaacs comes to something at the end, especially with the choir music. Oh, what um, a gorgeous scene. Yeah, what a great way to end it. Um, so I don't think he quite got the closure he wanted compared to what his wife got. I think the I think the the there's like levels of healing in this movie. Well, I so think both of the women, yeah. I actually didn't I I disagree. I feel like the thing is is he came to this not expecting closure. I thought he was coming to this for his wife. And then he was kind of bowled over by the end that he actually had some. I like that. I think the clo- I think he was going yes, he was going for his wife, but I also think the closure that he needed to hear wasn't the one that he got. He ne- he wanted to hear them say we knew all along and right. that we saw this coming. And when he didn't get that, that's kind of what causes the outburst and the anger and mm-hmm. all of that. But I think towards the end you're right, he does get a level of closure he wasn't expecting at all. Well, I, I think I think he had to let go of the easy answers and and just see people as people. Yep, absolutely. Uh, uh. it's hard to talk about. <laughs> it, I mean, it is hard to talk about. But that that when I when no when I finished this, I was just like the the question I was like that I just was wrestling with. I'm just like I mean I know why I watch this stuff. People, you who are listening, you know why you watch more difficult things. You know, it's at least you you might not, but you also might be like. Like my wife, for example, I know I could never sit down and watch this with her. She would she would shy away from any experience that doesn't give some sort of uplifting emotional joy. Because I've watched indies with her, and she well, can't stand most of them. In some way, uh, I feel like this is one of the more uplifting movies I've seen in some time, while also being dragged through the mud. But yeah, <laughs> no, I can see that. I can definitely see that. I think that you know, I feel like there's a best drama category at the Emmys. Right, but that drama tends to like not be comparable to something like this. You know, I I haven't seen a second of Succession, but I'll bet you there's dark comedic moments in there where you might laugh or chuckle, and then you have something like this where it's just like lean forward, elbows on your knees, fingers pressed into a little tent right underneath the cusp of your nose as you're like, hmm. The one time I I would say chuckled, I think, I I don't remember the moment, but it was more like a... (laughs) was mostly just because I needed to release some tension. It was so pent yeah. up. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and I, I know I've told you this, but I I have a hard time watching hard movies at home. Sure, I me go too. out of my way to watch hard movies in the theater because you can be held hostage by the fact that you spend eight bucks, eight to 12 bucks, and, and you're not going to leave. Whereas at home, there's always that temptation when it gets too hard to pause and turn it off. I think, yes, I agree. And I think there's also something to home being a safety, sure. home being oh, a that, feeling. That's a very good and point. not wanting to invade that space, I think, is what that comes to that's as well. That's a very good point. I haven't considered that. But home should be comfortable, and these things make you uncomfortable. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Do they ever? 
Oh, but, but I, it's one of those. I'm really glad, but I am super glad that I watched it, and I I'd love to be able to. You know, it's the whole like you know film versus movie things. You can't meme a you couldn't meme a film. I won't. I, you'll never see sure. memes of this movie. I promise. Um, but it's also the reason why I love that that medium of a story anyway. It's the same reason why I would go see a play, like go see The Crucible yeah. and watch that play occur. I we need that engagement. We need that reminder, and we need to wrestle with tough questions. stuff. Yeah. I guess that's what I was getting at is I am immensely grateful to doing this podcast with you because mm-hmm. it helps me watch these movies that I missed in theaters and and man, I it would I would have uh I would have been lesser for having never watched this one. It was uh, yeah, yeah. Man. I agree. I completely agree with that feeling. I think that there's so much good in this film that it is worth an hour and like 42 hour 42. I think something like that. It is mm, worth to, yep. That's to right. give this movie your divine attention so and good. be engrossed in it because not that you would go through the same grief as the characters in the film, but you might go through a grief. It's like everybody might go through a grief like that someday. And there's gotta be, I don't know. Something to look to. Something to point to. So yeah. Yeah. That's mass. Mass. It's heavy. Good. Go go watch it, but be ready. Oh, this is pretty heavy, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, it, that's. I think that's why the one thing I loved about this was just like it, it made me wrestle with that question: is why do we watch things that are difficult? I mean, I'm trying to think of other films that I really love that are. I don't want to say harsh. That are this harsh. Because you think of like a rough graded sandy surface, like that's kind of what this is in a way. Sure. Um, like Chinatown is rough, right? Something like that. Sure. Probably sure. fit into this well. Um, I haven't seen the Iron Claw, Iron Claw yet, but I'm going to talk about that in about ten minutes. Um, but I imagine it's a similar experience. Like we, some of the movies that you know, I, I mentioned this one before during the uh, the Boomer list, like The Visitor. That's kind of like this, or the station agent. Which one's the visitor? Kind of like this. The visitor was the one with the the couple in New York who find out that there's been uh, squatters in their house and they're like um, illegal immigrants from Africa. I don't know. It's it's a it's a really good movie. Okay. There's probably more humor in that one too, but that's another growth arc, well done drama film. Um, My mind's blanking on other ones at the moment because it's not the genre I go to the most, you know. No, well, nobody does. I go the most often, right? To be fair, it's not a genre that's done well all that much. It's easy to slip into melodrama when you're not careful, Um, and probably worse in this day and age where people look more towards escape um, and the funny bone as opposed to the sad mask. You have the happy mask and the sad mask when you're looking at the play stuff, and I. uh, there are hard movies out there dealing with hard questions, but some it's rare to have a movie that tackles the hard questions with no cop-outs. I mean, there are, yeah. it does not take an easy, easy way out and still comes to an ending that was just inspired. I mean, incredibly satisfying with, yeah, say. very for satisfying. What they were going for and, that you could get. Yeah. And that's, Considering the topic matter, I I am I am in awe that they pulled that off. Yeah, there's a movie that got a lot of nominations. Um, 
Actually, there's two I'll point to right now. Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall. I was going to do Zone of Interest next week. was kind of my plan. I imagine both of those would fall into this particular space. Yeah. Of just no breathing room kind of a thing. Um, But yeah. Yeah. We can jump. Yeah. So, but I think at the end of the day, like you said, we watch hard movies like this to just become better people. Yes. (laughs) I think that's... That's as good as the answer is. We gave the answer. We spoiled it at the beginning, man. We did, yeah. that's, that's the great answer. That's the right answer. I, I think, think so. Yeah. And I think that they're, yeah. When you're a better person, you're a happier person. And so it's worth to go through the hard for a bit. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. So we'll, clo- we'll close that chapter on Mass. And if you haven't seen it, it is on Hulu. It is excellent. It is It is a film. It is a film buff's film. It is a, it's just a, it's a, it's a masterpiece. It's hard to say anything otherwise. There really is. Will I watch it again? It'll be a while, but I'll watch this one again. This isn't like Requiem for a Dream, which I'll never ever see again. This one is will be worth a rewatch and someday. It's worth pointing out this movie is hard, but it is not. There, there are hard movies out there that are uh, cruel. I don't think this movie is cruel to the viewer. Well, they said cool. <laughs> no, no, cruel. I mean, the, like, yeah. Requiem for a Dream I've never seen, but my impression is that, that is cruel to the viewer. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, like, what Darren Aronofsky does tends to be cruel, in my opinion. I like a lot like, of his stuff, even though I will admit it is cruel. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not going to see Black Swan again. I'm not going to see Requiem for a Dream again. Like, I, I will probably never see The Wrestler again. This, I'm it's the guy that, who really like, loved Mother, and good Lord, that's a rough movie. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Jennifer. <sighs> um, now I'm thinking about Jennifer Lawrence. That poor girl. Yeah, I just, I just, more Hunger Games. I just wish somebody would let her be an action <coughs> star. <sighs> <laughs> oh, Ripley. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that's my ass. Uh, what else I want to talk about today? So, uh, we'll get more into this in another episode. But they did announce the Academy Awards yes. yesterday morning. Which was, I, I enjoy watching. We have to deep dive before. We're going to, yeah, break yeah. down. Yeah, we'll watch as much as we can talk. Yeah. Yeah, we'll watch as much as we can. We'll do an episode right before the Oscars happen. But there's a, I want to point to one moment that I just love, which is, and this happened a couple of years ago, uh, when they were doing, when Klaus was not, was uh, nominated, oh. they did a reaction film where they shot every, they showed most of the people in the room. They're like, okay, let's see if we get nominated. And then they picked this one move they did for best animated feature. They went through the movies that were selected, and one was a Netflix movie. And at the time, they all groaned because they assumed one Netflix movie would be the like the like that would be it, and there won't be anyone. And the very next one, they all get announced, and they all like lose their crap, and they're all hugging and crying, and, and it just it makes you feel so good. It just makes you so happy. That happened again this year with the visual effects Godzilla um, people for Godzilla. Oh, good! Have I haven't sh- seen it. They, they have, have a they have a video of all of them in the room, and as soon as they get called, they're like. Ah! And they like pop confetti well, and everything. I love that crap. It wasn't oh, it makes that me so big happy. a budget movie. In the, I mean, it wasn't a small budget movie, let's be clear. But it was a Japanese-made film, and the special effects were solid. Yeah, it's man. Really, so, I love that movie. Um, there's a lot of interesting lists uh, for this particular one, uh, for this particular Oscars that's coming up um, that I thought were intriguing, a lot of interesting choices. Um, I have not – so I'm going to caveat this. I have not seen The Iron Claw. I've but not, I suspect either. that it one hundred thousand percent got snubbed completely. I'm probably should really <laughs> wanted to see it. Yeah, I know you haven't seen Barbie, and I will. I will see it. I don't. Yeah, I don't necessarily think Margot Robbie needed an award, but the fact that Greta Gerwig made such a fun movie that hit so well and 
threaded that needle so well, I do think she at least deserved a directing nod. Yeah, I think it. I'm gonna. I will watch that one. Monica really wants to watch it now, um, but I am excited for um, just a number of the flicks on here. Killers of the Flower Moon deserved all the noms that it got. Yep, Haven't agreed. seen Poor Things yet. I'm tempted to. I might. I might do it on my own. I'm tempted to. The the more I read about, it, the less I'm like, ah, uh, because like you have me at steampunk. I freaking adore steampunk. Uh, I'm gonna give it a uh, shot. I'm curious. I'm gonna watch it alone. <laughs> it's in theaters in Helena right now. Maybe I'll we'll see how I'm feeling next week. Raise up, me hottie, show ho. Um, American Fiction. I've I really want to see that one. That when one. When I saw came that trailer, down. I was like, yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, but it's worth pointing out my favorite movie of last year got nominated for Best Picture. It's not going to win because it tends to be. This has only not happened three times in the history of the Oscars where the best director didn't get Best Picture. It's only happened three times. Um, and so it didn't get nominated for Best Director, which makes me think it's not going to get Best Picture. But I am also one of those people who it truly is an honor to be nominated. You do have a lot of clout for getting nominated. And I was just. I, which one are we talking about? The Holdovers. The Holdovers, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so I'll tell you this. If Paul Giamatti doesn't get it for Best Actor, Divine Joy Randolph will for sure get it for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, in my opinion. Yeah, I could see them giving it to Cillian Murphy <laughs> just because that's the one in the zeitgeist right now, but... Yeah. So- I have not seen Maestro, May December, Past Lives, Poor Things, Zone of Interest, Barbie, or American Fiction, and that is seven of the ten screenplay ones nominated. So I feel super behind in that category for once. Oh, jeez, I've seen one, two, three. I've only seen four of the the Best Picture nominees. Gotta gotta your, get on that. Your number one, your number one got nominated. I saw that. Yeah, Best I Animated am, Feature, Boy in the Hand. I am going to find a way to see that. I'm I'm. I'm stoked on that. That makes me so excited because, and I'm skipping to the very end of our episode here, uh, we have been watching How Miyazaki Movies. I finally saw my name with Totoro, and I just started Nausicaa. Yep. Have you Mm -hmm. ever seen Nausicaa? No, I have not. I love that. You just started it? We we started it, and then um, we we went to church, so I had to pause it, and I haven't had a chance to resume. (laughs) No matter what we talk about next week, I will have to gush a little bit with you about Nausicaa. Well, sure. I mean, I... I can at least gush with you about Totoro by saying, "Now I get it." It's it's the best. Now little, I get it. It's so what's such a lovely film. It's a great where kids movie. Where is the movie where you could say this is absolutely G? It is absolutely G. Like it's there's Winnie just the Pooh in Japan. Nothing objectionable. We and that and thank you for spoiling that. We also watched the original uh, Winnie the Pooh from 1977. Yeah, which the, was a which was a, a trip for Addie. She had such a good time. <laughs> they have similar vibes, don't they? They really do. All right, I never thought of it that way. So, which other Ghibli movies are you gonna do? Um, I well, you, with her around, Mononoke? I'm probably gonna do. Yeah, I've done okay, Mononoke. I've done Spirit favorite. Away. I've done um, uh, my favorite actually. This is not the popular one, but I love the Cat Returns. Oh that right, right, that is favorite. a fun one. I haven't seen that in Anne Hathaway. A and a half. Oh, I adore that one. It's so much fun. Um, I'm sure as I go through all of them in time that that will change. But to be honest, I saw Mononoke when I was much younger and I was like the, the VHS box said it's just, it's just like star Wars. That is the quote what? on the VHS. Is that right? Hold on. Hold on. VHS <laughs> copy princess Mononoke. That is a hot take. If I ever heard one, let me see. 
There was something about, I remember walking by it in Blockbuster all the time. There it is. And the quote on the box says, The Star Wars of Animated Features. I, is that Roger Ebert? I can't quite see who said that quote. So I would walk by and I would see all that because it looks like I I will post this in the show notes. The cover looks like they have lightsabers. That is how the cover oh, looks. Sure. And then you see the saying. quote, the, the Star swords. Wars of Animated Features. So I was like nine and I saw that movie and I was like, nine is two. That's I, yeah. If too you're not long. ready. Oh, my God. I'm going to show it to my kids around that age, but this, but I'm going to prep them well beforehand. Was I nine or was I eleven? I might have been eleven, but I was but still. When you're I was just Star Wars, and you get that. I was expecting Star Wars, and so when the movie ended, I'm like, "That sucked." When you're, <laughs> what's everyone talking about? There was no Star Wars in here. Deep moral, complicated questions mm-hmm. with no right answers, and is yeah, hmm. yeah. This factory sealed copy of the video is going for one hundred and fifty dollars on eBay. There you go. But anyway, yeah, so that's so Mononoke didn't do for me. Spirited Away, I watched freshman year of college, and I wasn't ready for it even then. Have you seen Mononoke um, since then? No, I haven't seen Mononoke or Spirited right, Away so, since 2001. So you should watch them both as if you haven't seen them before. I've also been... <laughs> there's this, I have this on my, uh, my playlist for when you really need to laugh. There's a moment when she feeds him like in the forest, and he's laying down, and uh, there's Mononoke. another anime character... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will send you this clip. I'm not going to spoil it right now, okay. but I'll put it in the show notes Can't for anyone who it. wants a good laugh. Um, and so I have watched those Miyazaki movies back to back, or not back to back, like, you know, mm-hmm. 11 years apart, back to back or whatever. And then I saw The Cat Returns. I'm like, yes, funny as heck, awesome main character, great performances. This is what I needed in an anime movie. And I so I loved it because of that. <laughs> um, but I haven't seen Arietti. I haven't seen, I haven't um, seen The Wind Also Rises. I know. <laughs> That'll make you cry. Yeah. I actually have a copy of Tales from Earthsea, but I haven't seen it because I was told it's it was fine. the worst. It's, it's not it's bad, fine. but when you have all these other options, why would you watch that one? Yeah. Mo- no, you're totally right. Mononoke's my but- favorite. Um, The Boy and the Heron might be right there. Nausicaa's... If, prior to The Boy and the Heron, it said Nausicaa was my second favorite. Um... Yeah. Uh, so I did want to bring one thing up before I close up the Academy Awards conversation. So sitting there watching it, enjoying it, I love it when they announce a movie in a major category that I go, what the hell is that? That's out, fun, isn't it? Loud. It is. So best cinematography. They were um, they were going through that list, and uh, they are um, – what's the girl or the guy reading off? Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer – I El Conde, yeah, poor know. things, and I went. What the hell is El Conde? Yep, no I'm, idea. I'm Do you know what link. it is? No, I'm clicking the link right now. But it looks here's the pink. here's the long line. After living 250 years in this world, Augusto Pinochet, who is not dead but an aged vampire, decides to die once and for all. Have that you, the sounds poster? awesome. The poster <laughs> of this guy in yep, some military yep. uniform with pink. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it you is. You want to do an episode with it? Well, but neither of us can know any more about it. Let's do that, and let's also like throw in a couple of these other ones that we don't know about. Great. Like let's also yeah. Like I haven't seen. I didn't even know. I didn't know what Robot Dreams was. Not gonna lie. So I gotta check that one yeah. out too. Um, 
But yeah, that made me chuckle. That little dog line. And then I watched the trailer, I think, like right after, and I was like, ooh, this could be interesting. Oh, you watched the trailer? So, oh, all right, all right. Just the trailer. Just the trailer. How dare you watch the trailer? <laughs> there were subtitles. It didn't tell me shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It didn't tell me fucking shit. <laughs> oh, uh, my gosh. You swore. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, he said shoot. <laughs> oh, he said shoot. I am... I almost killed myself, Julie. (laughs) That show is the gift that just keeps on giving. It's so good. It just keeps on giving. The only reason I even bother turning Netflix on most days is just to watch it. (laughs) There Uh, are so many times I just want to text you, baby, 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 baby. So I was on an airplane. And I uh-huh. almost turned on this weekend. I almost turned on um, uh, past lives, mm-hmm. and then I didn't. Instead, I turned on uh, "You Hurt My Feelings," the Julia Louis Dreyfus comedy. You know, know this <gasps> one? That is that's on my list. That was in a, a quite a few of the top of the best movies of last year. It would have made my it? top ten had I seen it oh. before our list. It, the thing with that movie is we had just started watching Outlander. Uh-huh. And the guy who like is, this is awful to say, the guy who is constantly raping the main characters okay. is the main actor in that is the main actor in that movie. The guy, the guy. Well, I'm glad I didn't know that because he's very like the main 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 villain in Outlander, and I'm just like, all the rape. This movie is one of the lowest key, lowest stakes movies I've ever seen. I mean, the oh. the only movie that I can think of off the top of my head that has lower stakes is Patterson. Did you ever see that that movie with um, Kylo Ren? The bus driver, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know where Adam Driver, uh, the, the 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 main conflict of Patterson is Adam Driver wants to write poetry, so he does. Um, <laughs> Adam Driver drives her all around that movie. I love that movie. It's a great movie, but it's not for everyone. Um, yeah. This movie <laughs> is just a lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely exploration of marriage. It's oh, so sweet. It's so funny. And it is delightful. Anybody who could stand a couple F-bombs, I don't care who you are, you'll enjoy it. Oh, good. Okay. Yep. No, that was on my list. Um, was it Variety? There was a... I, th- I don't know if I sent this to you or not. There was a list of like the top 66 movies of 2023, and I was like, I want to see like 65 of these. <laughs> There's only one that I wasn't like even remotely interested in, but like the other ones, I was like, okay, I could see almost any one of these enjoying them, mm. um, and that was that was really high on that list. So cool. I really really enjoyed it. After watching a Marriage Story, I'm all in on Marriage Stories because even Marriage Stories has a breath of fresh air every now and again. I never saw um, it because it looked rough. It was rough, but it's super good. Okay, I, I <laughs> and know. Laura Dern deserved that Oscar. Damn it! I'm so glad she got it. Okay, all right. Uh, Laura Dern won an Oscar for that movie. She did. Best wow. Supporting Actress. Okay. Okay. Um, was that it? Did I see anything else? I finished the book. What'd you finish? The shit they never taught you. What didn't they teach me? <laughs> There's this podcast that just concluded by two Australian blokes. 
Uh, it's called You Will Learn. And mm-hmm. these guys are like book junkies, and they do deep dives into books. Um, you could really call them cliff notes in a way. And then this book is a collection of 115 of them. So it's 115 books in the book, and it's 130 books in the audiobook. They add all this extra content if you buy the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And it's like a coffee table book that goes through some of the most famous business, self-improvement, nature, biological books, and just crunches the hell out of them down to 10 minutes. Huh. And I learned a ton. That sounds fascinating. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm still working my way through Attack on Titan. I'm on volume 20, I believe. Nice. Of that manga, which is a nice trip. And um, I'm just getting ready for my writer's conference, man. Superstars Writing Seminar. It is February 8th, 9th, and 10th, and I can't wait to go. I can't wait Hot to go. Hot diggity daffodil. Let's take Hot the next pit mobile out of here. Yep. And uh, there's a there's an author that is coming that wrote a book that I think is perfect for you that I'll have to give you. Do you know? Do you it's called Dungeon Crawler Carl. <laughs> and I, okay. And I think and I think you'll enjoy the hell out of it. Sounds great. I'm reading it right now and it's a lot of fun. Um, but what are you consuming these days? Any any of the, uh, the songs that I sent you? Or oh, I did. The, I did. Oh, okay. not all of them, and I can't remember which ones I've done. But I really I liked them all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I will admit I got distracted partway through because a, an employee a coworker got all freaky on sure, me. Sure, sure, sure. But um, let, let me tomorrow I will try to finish them out. I'll give you an actual response. No instead worries. Of, instead of <laughs> I listened to three of them, and I think the one I liked the most was the third one. So you know that one. <laughs> um, this helps me zero. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, um, so good. I'm still working my way through uh, How Minds Change, which has been great. Yep. I mm-hmm. need to take a little bit of a break from it. And then I I picked up Song of Achilles and on the airplane home. And okay. You know my face. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, I, I really am enjoying it. So, okay. Good. Um, did you read Cersei? Not yet. <sighs> Phenomenal. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. If you like Song of Achilles, you're going to love Cersei. I figured as um, much. I'm, I'm about, yeah. what am I? I? I read the first like 120 pages on the airplane home and had a great time. From Texas? No, California. California. Okay, cool. Yep. Cool, cool. It was a whirlwind of a weekend. Dude, I'll bet. Yeah. Uh, well, all right, everybody. Well, shoot. Thank you for listening to this episode about Mass. And uh, we just want to encourage you to not only see that movie, but also, like, see some heavy stuff. Yeah, it's good for Let you. Good drama, good themes, weigh onto your soul. Take them home, digest them, and uh, those nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> those nutrients. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, bye, guys. Bye. Bye.